Wellness Force Radio, Episode 64. A goal without a deadline is just a dream. And so if you don't have that deadline on there, it won't inspire you to take immediate action. And it won't inspire you to pick up speed as the deadline comes closer. It's not really that much different. The same principles apply whether you're trying to lose weight or whether you're trying to get out of debt or whether you're trying to uh, change any habit in life. Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Josh Trent. Thank you, my friend, for spending some time with me here on the podcast. This is where I give you access to the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. Today and every week, you and I get to come together to learn from these world-class leaders who dedicate their lives to driving real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. On this episode, we're diving deep with productivity and success transformation coach, Craig Valentine. Craig is from Ontario, Canada. He's the author of The Perfect Day Formula, How to Own the Day and Control Your Life. He's contributed to Men's Health Magazine since 2000. And in 2001, he created a popular home workout program, Turbulence Training. Now, Craig is gonna share some knowledge today. I am so pumped for you guys to hear this episode because this was a journey of success where Craig shares about overcoming crippling anxiety attacks how we beat them with this five pillars of transformation he's created. He also is going to unpack how men and women use these five pillars to lose 10 to 75 pounds, get a raise and make more money, find the love of their life and overcome any obstacle in the way to success. This show is brought to you by Perfect Supplements. I am always searching for products that I can trust. So I'm honored to stand by this company who walks the talk with their values of non-GMO, organic and pesticide free real food supplements that can support us all on our wellness journey. Head on over to perfectsupplements.com slash wellnessforce. Enter code wellnessforce at checkout. Save yourself 10% off the next order. Over on iTunes this week, we picked up a five-star review, an exciting one too, because this one was from Holland, which is even more of a big deal because that means Wellness Force Radio is crossing the poles, reaching continents on the other side of the planet. This is from listener Connie. Connie says, Josh, thank you so much. This podcast inspires me to be my best self. Josh has a way of delivering the wellness message that hits the nail on the head. For me as an entrepreneur, running addict, yogi, and whole food lover, and a bit of a tech nerd, the topics he discusses with his guests are interesting and applicable in my daily life. I'm proud to be a part of the Wellness Force tribe while listening to Wellness Force Radio. Keep up the deep work. Love from Holland, Connie. Connie, thank you so much. Your gift is in the mail. All right, let's get into today's show for the perfect day formula. We're going to talk about this three C's approach, how someone creates rules for their life, why people would want to create rules, how to overcome anxiety, concentrating on what counts, and number one action steps to begin taking control of life and own your day today. No more waiting. Let's jump into the conversation with Craig Ballantyne. Craig Ballantyne, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Josh. Happy to be here. This is perfect timing. You know, we're coming into summer here in about three weeks. And I think the majority of people, Craig, who haven't achieved their goals are probably now frustrated about how to make progress, not only in their body comp, but how to spend the most quality time with their families and friends. I'm excited to talk about the book that I read in one sitting. It's your book, The Perfect Day Formula. But Craig, there's so much information about you online, man. I mean, you're all over the internet with turbulence training. As I mentioned in the intro, you're a best-selling author. You help millions of people online, but what is something fun or interesting that most of us don't know about you? Every summer, I go to Lithuania, of all places, and I teach at a camp for young men and women. Actually, we've expanded the ages, so now there's people in their 30s and 40s this year. But I teach at a camp called the Liberty and Entrepreneurship Camp, and it's just so awesome to hang around generally younger people who are ambitious. And you know, if anybody is uh, takes that negative slant towards millennials. Well, I, I've been, uh, you know, had my mind changed about them. I mean, there's just <laughs> so many smart kids out there. And it's, it's funny because they almost speak a different language when they're talking about social media. I'm, I'm been lost, left in the dust and I'm only 40 years old. Yes. Well, hey, you know, in this time we have here on the planet, I know every minute counts and your book The Perfect Day Formula, you talk about how to structure not only what we're doing as far as actions throughout the day, but more importantly, Craig, our mindset. This is why I feel this book is so powerful. But before we jump into the book, man, kind of in a few sentences, tell the audience who you are, what you do, and and why you do it. 
Oh, that's a great question. You know, a real quick story goes all the way back to 1979. I was riding in this big green car with my mom on the way home from town. We lived on the outskirts of this city called Stratford in Canada, and we lived on a farm, and she was really sad. And for some reason, I was able to pick up on that. And I looked at her and said, Mom, you know, why are you sad? And she said, I just left my Weight Watchers meeting and I didn't have uh, any results or the scale didn't change. And it was, you know, again, really weird. I mean, that's like one of my first memories in life. And it really, you know, got into my head to be able to go out there and help people change. And so I went, I went through a period of time where I wanted to, you know, do training for pro athletes. But then I realized in 2000, when I started writing for Men's Health, that I loved helping busy people. And that's what's uh, been I've been doing for the last almost 20 years now. How powerful is that to be in the car? You know, my mom struggled with her health and weight. I think a lot of people learn their habits from their parents. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So how do you feel like that lit the fire for you being that kid, feeling that emotion, kind of that empathy for your mom? Do you think that fuels you to the path you're on now in a little way? Yeah, I think it really, I didn't understand it at the time. Um, but I always knew that when I would, you know, sit around, I had some, you know, jobs in high school where I would sit around the lunch table with some other women and they would talk about how frustrated they were with their weight. And, you know, it was like cabbage soup diet one week and then something else. And then they'd go and just eat whatever they wanted for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, they get guilty and then, feel guilty and then, you know, back on some other thing. And it was just so frustrating because, you know, by then I had started exercising and studying all this stuff. And I realized, you know, there was such a simpler way to do it, but, you know, I couldn't communicate it to them. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't listen to me because I was just some, you know, punk kid. But uh, I just realized it bothered me so much when I see people frustrated with anything. And it's not just health and fitness, but it's also personal development and productivity and all the stuff that we talk about these days. And so I've really just set my mission and my mindset towards how can I help people? How can I communicate strategies that might seem complex to somebody and simplify them? And that's what I try and do every single day. I want to go back for me. I was a trainer my first year in gyms, 2003, 2004, and I came across your work. Uh, a few years later, I had a mutual contact, our friend Sean Croxton, and he introduced me kind of to turbulence training. So I'll link this in the show notes so everyone can see this progression for Craig from turbulence training onto early to rise and being this best-selling author. But Craig, when you started out, you were really strong in the fitness industry. What did this transition look like from fitness to mindset? I've always always been into mindset stuff. And so around 2006, I hired my first business coach and my fitness business got really popular. And then I started helping other trainers to do the same sort of thing online. And that's when I started getting into actually writing about mindset a lot more. And as I help people in the weight loss transformations, I realized, man, it's really, you can't have a physical transformation without a mindset transformation. So I learned so much from people. And again, I've ran 25 body transformation contests and we have four winners in each one. So I've read hundreds mm. of uh, submission essays and I've just real, you know, learned so much from these people and I've been able to translate that over to success in other areas of life because it's not really that much different. The same principles apply whether you're trying to lose weight or whether you're trying to get out of debt or whether you're trying to uh, change any habit in life. And so that's what I've learned over time and just been able to communicate that in stories and through um, you know, success profiles to other people. One of the things that's powerful we've talked about on the show and has been referenced from Gretchen Rubin, you know, she's a number one behavior change researcher. This is the power of your book. It's kind of why we do what we do and the behavior change aspect of getting healthy, not only in our bodies, but in the behaviors we have for our productivity in our lives. You write in your book about this new law of attraction. I love this, man, because what comes up for me is in your own transformation from the fitness industry to what you're doing now, what has been one of the biggest pieces where you feel like you've had the most growth? Was it psychological, emotional? Was it friendships? I mean, what really moved the needle for you the most in regards to this new law of attraction? It was really the ability to go out and meet people because, uh, you know, as I, I, yesterday I was speaking at Paleo FX, a, a decent sized seminar here in Austin with a couple thousand people. And I was telling people, as I was speaking, you know, there's a huge part of me that just wants to be in my hotel room right now, you know, doing what we're doing, you know, having an, doing an interview rather than speaking in front of people. Yeah. But, you know, over time, I've just gone from this very introverted kind of bookworm to someone who's developed the skills 
to go out and network with people and meet people and talk to strangers. I know it sounds crazy to some people, but it's difficult for uh, a lot of us to do that. And so that has been my growth. And I started that in about 2007 when I started going to a lot more seminars. And I'm still friends with people at that event, but it's so much easier for me to go to events today and meet people and strike up those conversations. And really being able to be present in the conversation with people is another thing that I've gotten a lot better at. Man, and being present is a skill of its own. I'm jealous, by the way. I wish I was at Paleo FX. I just got a text from a friend this morning, like, you should be at Paleo FX. It's so fun. What was that like? Was the energy there amazing? Was it bigger than last year? It is about the same size. And I tell you, they have the best expo going in any fitness event that I've gone to. They have such great, well, to me, it's really fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in the paleo world with weird types of protein bars and stuff like that, but they have all types of uh, nut butters. And uh, then there's the other, I would say almost like 25% of the booths are committed to how can we make chocolate desserts for paleo? (laughs) And some of them are so good. Yeah, Uh, You're just, I mean, I was telling uh, my friend David Sinek, who you might know yesterday about Man, if this is how good the paleo food is, you know, in 2016, in 2018 or 19, it's going to be better than all the stuff that is full of junk. I mean, people just have done an amazing job of reverse engineering chocolate cake and protein bars and cereal and bread. And it's really, really amazing. So the mainstream is going to see this very soon. And it's, it's obviously it's a little bit more expensive right now, but I don't think it will be for much longer. And it's interesting because one of the pieces you talk about in your book is environment. And there's these three C's, which I think, honestly, man, it's the most easy way for us to digest formulas, isn't it? The power of three. The first one is control the morning. So there's this three C formula in your book. But before we go into that, I mean, why did you write this book in the first place? Well, it's really a compendium of everything that I've learned and applied to my life as I've tried to become more productive uh, to eliminate the things that would leave me feeling guilty the next day to just be a better person. And so it's, it's not just about you know, making the use of your time, but it's about habit change and it's about figuring out where you want to be with you and your family and your kids and you know, what you want them to accomplish in life and just putting together a nice plan so that you have, again, less stress about all the crazy uh, you know, choices we have to make every single day. And so that's what I put together to kind of lift that burden of stress off people's shoulders. First C is control the morning. Unpack this for us. This is when we have the greatest control over our days. So we control when we get up. We control what we do first thing in the morning. We control what we're going to have for breakfast. And we control really the most of our day at this time. And so we can get ahead, we can be proactive, or we can be late and be reactive. And you know that being late and being reactive only leaves you stressed and frustrated. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not the most fun thing in the world, you know, but we got to, you know, pretend we're not in or accept that we're not in college anymore and not being able to sleep until, you know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And we have to take advantage of that great opportunity we have to kickstart our day with uh, getting things done the right way. You have a specific structure for your day and, you know, it might not work for everyone, but I think this is what's unique in the book. You walk people through how to do this first C, you know, controlling their morning. But for you, Craig, I mean, a lot of people look to you as a person that can influence their life and their habits positively. How do you structure your morning? That's a great question. And just to give you a little bit of a follow up on what you were saying about how people look to the role model. I live my life by what we call extreme example. So that it's not so that people try and replicate my day or anything, but it's so that if they look at me and say, well, if this person can do this, then I can just do a little bit better. It's like when you hear about somebody who goes out and, you know, like the, the, Sometimes you hear about a grandma who's in a powerlifting competition and deadlifting at 75 and you go, well, she can do that. I mean, I can get my butt to the gym today. So it's it's basically that's our mindset when we put the information in the book. And then in my life, what I recommend that people adopt from my system is basically having a scripted template for their regular days. Now, Monday through Friday, most people are probably going to have a regular type of structure. So you should know what time you're going to get up. You should know what you're going to do first thing in the morning for what I call your magic 15 minutes when you really just – 
get up before everybody else, get down to the kitchen table, get a piece of paper out and just work on your number one problem or opportunity to make big progress in your life and then template out your day. So I have writing time, I have exercise time, I have work time with my team um, that I have to do phone calls with or meet in person and then family time at end of day and free time at end of day. So it's really just setting in these blocks of time. After we control the morning, there's this block where a lot of people can crash and it's the afternoon. Your second C is conquer the afternoon. What are the steps in this conquer the afternoon piece? You know, most people just get all these things thrown upon them in the afternoon and it's very, very difficult. But what I learned from my weight loss transformation contest clients is that you can really make control over the emergencies that the world brings you and also improve your habits using the uh, five pillars of success, which are better planning and preparation. So you plan and prepare for as many obstacles in your life that you know are going to come your way and you have two solutions for each. And then you have professional accountability, which means having a coach or a mentor who's going to give you expert advice to get you through the tough times. And then you have your positive social support, which are the people, the cheerleaders in your life who are going to pick you up when you're feeling down. So if you are overwhelmed, you should have somebody you should be able to connect with who's going to say, hey, it's okay. You can do it. You're a great person. And you know, we just need that pump up from time to time. The fourth pillar is a meaningful incentive. And so we always need to have that meaningful reason for why we're doing what we're doing. It's not about buying a new pair of jeans because we lost 10 pounds. It's about having energy for our kids because we lost 10 pounds. That's the meaningful incentive. Mm. And then finally, the big deadline. The big deadline in everybody's afternoon is quitting time at work, obviously. And so that's why we get more productive as that you know five o'clock hour comes up. But we need to have deadlines for everything that we do from phone calls. We should have an end time for a phone call. We should have end times for meetings. And that will help us stay on track so that we control and conquer that chaos in the afternoon. And we'll run through some of these examples on the five pillars, which I got to tell you, man, my notebook is filled with a ton of stuff that came up for me in my own life. So thank you so much for writing this book, man. It's been so powerful for me in the past day just to think about, hey, am I showing up as powerful as I want to show up? And I think that's the question that people that are interested in a book like this will really want to answer. You know, it's funny too, because the more I read your book, I realized, hey, the perfect day doesn't happen that day. It happens the night before. And before we get into the third C, I mean, you have this good night formula. It's 103210 and how to create 15 minutes of freedom the night before. Walk us through this 103210. I will. And just a funny story on this one. It's become so popular. It's like one of those things that accidentally went viral. It's been in newspapers in England, and I've been interviewed for Russian television shows of all things. Do you speak Russian? No, but they, oh. dub, they dubbed me. And <laughs> got it, got it. We have uh, one of our girls in customer services from Belarus, but she can speak Russian. And she said, well, they kind of screwed up the, a couple of things, but <laughs> most of it was good. So uh, we did that by Skype. It was funny. But the 103210 formula is a very simple formula to help people get to sleep better because we all struggle to fall asleep, or most of us do. And so the first thing, the number 10 means stop drinking caffeine 10 hours before bed. Because it stays in your blood for a long time and 10 hours is about a good time to stop. Now, my mom can have coffee at 8 o'clock at night, but I don't know how she does it because I certainly can't. Me neither. Yeah, I know. Three hours before bed, no more heavy meals and cut back on all alcohol. Now, alcohol might make you fall asleep a little bit quicker, but it interferes with your sleep cycles. So you actually wake up groggy and tired the next day, even if you get a full eight hours of sleep after having a few glasses of wine before dinner. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you don't drink too close to bed. Then two hours before you go to sleep, you want to stop doing all work so that you get that stress away from you. And an hour before bed, you want to get away from all electronics because the blue light admitted, emitted from electronics can actually increase our state of arousal. And so if you toss and turn after checking your email on your phone, that's the reason why. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the zero stands for the number of times that we hit the snooze button in the morning because, again, that will leave us groggy if we dip back into a sleep cycle only to be awakened 10 minutes later by the snooze alarm. So it's tough to you know, do some of those. But I guarantee if you have a couple of nights where you don't have a lot of social engagements and you put this into place, you'll really notice big differences in the quality and length of sleep that you get. 
this last C, concentrate on what really matters. I mean, this is unique to every single person. We all have a different landscape for life. So we're going to jump into the five pillars right after this. But Craig, just unpack this last C, this powerful C of what concentration on really on what really matters looks like. Yeah, it's actually my favorite part of the book. I love helping people create a vision for their life to really understand where they want to get to and how they can get there. So if you know exactly where you want to go, if you know you want to take your family to Disney World, it's very simple. You take the most direct route to get there. And it's the same with our life. Know exactly where you want to get to in three years from now, and that will help you make the right decisions right now to get you ahead in life and to avoid those detours that get us into trouble. I think people hate rules. Don't you agree? Like most people, when they have this structure around rules, it's like, oh, my life is already stressed out anyways. I want to have some free time. But what people don't realize, and I came to this, you know, through the course of trial and error in my life, that discipline actually is freedom. Absolutely. But when we look at a rule set, Craig, I mean, why would people want to add in more rules for their life? How do personal rules translate to success and health and mind and body? So I'll use the analogy of you know, the last time you were out driving, did you stop at red lights? Of course you did. Yeah. And why do we stop at red lights? Because those are the traffic rules that allow us to have structure instead of complete and utter chaos. Imagine there were no rule, uh, red lights or stop signs. We would never get to our place of destination safely, and therefore we wouldn't have the freedom to enjoy it. And that's what we do in our lives as well. We build these little boundaries and operating systems so that we do the best thing that we possibly can over the course of the day. And so everyone actually operates by a lot of rules right now. You know, some people might go to church every Sunday. That's a rule that they have. That's a rule that we had in my family when I was growing up. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, non-negotiable. You go to church every Sunday. And so a lot of people operate by rules right now and just form, formulating them and putting them down on paper. It's like putting your goals on paper. It's easier to stick to your rules and make the right decisions when they're written down, when they're expressed, when they're shared with positive people who will help you stay on track. And so that is why I built that little system into my life, again, to alleviate stress and make the right decisions easier to make. You actually dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with depression and anxiety myself so that people can get a better glimpse into you, Craig. Share kind of how you work through this anxiety piece and how that might have fueled your offering for your community. Yeah, it's, you know, it was more than just, you know, I'm a little anxious. It was full on, I got to go to the emergency room because I think I'm having a heart attack uh, anxiety. And I actually did that twice, not just once, but I walked in. How old were you? I was 30 years old, walked in. Um, I, I do like to joke that if you want to get to the front of the emergency room line, uh, you just walk in and say you're having a heart attack because they ignore everybody else in there and they take you right to the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it was really an embarrassing thing for me. Uh, but, you know, I just wasn't living the right way. I was burning the candles at both ends. I was pushing too hard. I wasn't 20 years old anymore. And I learned the hard way that, I, you know, I couldn't keep up with that. And then I just basically I tried everything possible to get out of anxiety. You know, my meaningful incentive as I followed the five pillars to get out of this anxiety was just to get rid of the anxiety. It's very difficult to describe to somebody, as you would know, Josh, you know, trying to, to describe anxiety or depression to somebody because no one can see it. Um, people that, you know, when you, they have a broken arm, people understand what a broken arm is like, you know, yeah. but don't understand what depression and anxiety are like because you can't show it to somebody. And most people also with anxiety, they don't understand themselves what is going on. I certainly didn't know what was going on. And it was very helpful to me to go to the, to the doctor and to the emergency room. So they did some physical tests on me and sent me home and said, that, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, and then that was one of the things that helped me get over it. In addition to meditation, Qigong, yoga, all these things that I took up, I even bought my dog because I read that, you know, petting a dog will help you get rid of um, anxiety <laughs> and relieve stress. Now, the funny thing was I bought a dog that didn't want to walk, didn't want to play fetch and would cry every time I'd leave him alone for like even 10 seconds. So I realized I bought the dog version of me. You know, <laughs> So it made it worse for about four weeks until we got into a better habit. And, um, you know, he's obviously one of the best things in, in my life these days. But that's what I did. I basically, in, in the long run, I realized I followed the five pillars. I had better planning and preparation. I made changes to my lifestyle. I hired coaches in yoga, meditation, Qigong. Um, I had social support from friends. 
I had a meaningful incentive, which was built in, so internal. And then I had a deadline, which was actually related to my business. I had a big product launch coming up a few months later. And so that just inspired me to, to again, go and find every single thing that could help me. Number three on your five pillars. Let's go there right now. I mean, we'll go through all five, but since we're here, this social support piece, I know Bedros, he's a big influencer in the fitness industry. A lot of people that I know are in his masterminds. How has this social support piece really transformed you? I mean, what have friends done for you to open you up emotionally and professionally? Oh, that's a really great question. But the, you know, the answer is that they are always there for you when you're struggling and the ones that will listen to you and then support you and say, and then they'll also say to you that, hey, I think you can still do a little bit better here. And that's what Bedros has done for me. I mean, he's always been, uh, you know, the type of person that will support me. But then when we're sitting around and he sees me do something that is, you know, what less of what I should be doing, he'll call me out on it. And that's really, really valuable to have somebody you can trust who will call you out on things because it's nice to have people who will always pick you up when you're down. But you really need those people who call you out because it's in your best interest to become a better person. Man, I can so relate to this. You know, one of the things personally in my life I've talked about on the show is having men's groups, you know, having a trusted cohort of people that'll hold your feet to the fire. You know, not all of us have unlimited motivation. I mean, in your book, you actually mentioned this. You talk about, you know, friends and family and coworkers can either knowingly or unknowingly sabotage our formula for the perfect day. Yeah. I mean, it can be hard for people to have this internal conversation, you know, identifying in our lives, these friends that may be holding us back, but they've been there for so long, Craig, it's like too hard to say goodbye. Can you give us an example of a friend or a colleague or a person you've had to give the gift of goodbye to in order for you to move forward and grow? Yeah, it's an excellent point you bring up because most people struggle the most with that third pillar and the second pillar, which is professional accountability, because they're surrounded by people at work who, you know, if they're trying to lose weight, they're the type, you know, they're surrounded by people who bring in the donuts who say, you know, we're going to Pizza Hut at lunch. And then they give you a hard time when you say no and they say, oh, you're no fun anymore. And that's, you know, that can really weigh on people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, when I was getting through the anxiety, then I had to stop hanging around guys who wanted to go to the bar at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon to start drinking, you know, for the next eight hours. And, that, you know, that's what got me into trouble. And I had to say no to those experiences. And fortunately, there's a lot of those guys who were willing to, you know, find other ways to hang out and catch up. And some of them have really just going back to what I mentioned before about living by extreme example, some of them uh, have really just, you know, by hanging around me have taken on my habits. And some of them are even, you know, more into health and fitness than even I am. And I'm pretty into it these days. And it's really <laughs> amazing to see what some of them have accomplished once they decided to grow out of that phase, uh, you know, just a little bit after me. So that's, that's a tough one, but you know, you, you do need to make the right decisions for you at the end of the day. And if that means leaving environments behind, it's much more important than, you know, leaving people behind because most, most people you can still find a way to spend time with, without being in the wrong environments. We'll get right back to the conversation with Craig. With a healthy environment comes healthy nutrition. One of the best ways to do that, since our food supply is lacking, so many of the nutrients that used to be in it, is supplementing with hydrolyzed collagen. This is a powdered collagen that I've been using from Perfect Supplements over the past six months. And the big deal is that it's sourced from 100% grass-fed cattle. That means for you, no synthetics, pesticides, or hormones. And the reality is that healthy cows eat grass, sick cows eat corn. Beyond just the healing powers of collagen on our digestion and joint health, this collagen has 20 grams of protein in two scoops. This helps curb your appetite and increase satiety. Grass-fed cows also contain up to five times as much omega-3s and twice as much conjugated linoleic acid as grain-fed beef. Science shows CLA is associated with reduced body fat and some other beneficial effects. Click on over to perfectsupplements.com slash wellnessforce and get the special discount for the Wellness Force radio audience by entering code wellnessforce at checkout. You can also save 10% off the entire site. Now let's get back to the powerful conversation with Craig Ballantyne. 
on a previous interview, I think multiple times actually in your work, you've talked about environment, you know, the way that our environment shapes our habits. And that environment is, in my opinion, no more contextual than the relationships we have. I've had to let go of certain friendships and actually that created space for new ones. Um, who have you created space for? I mean, who are the people in your life right now that you most look up to and that fuel you to be your best? Bedros is absolutely one of them for sure. I mean, I, I have even just recently hired him as a paid coach. So I am paying my friend because he is an expert in certain things that I need help with. And so he has really helped me grow personally and professionally. But, you know, now we're actually going to spend, you know, full days of consulting with, with him because he is just so dialed in on things that I'm not. So, you know, he has been certainly one of them. Um, my business partner in Denver, Matt Smith, has been another one. The same sort of thing. When I do things that are unacceptable or, you know, I, I'm a little curt with somebody or rude even, I guess is a better word, quite frankly, he'll raise his eyebrow and he'll look at me in a way that, you know, it's like when your dad looked at you when you were a kid, you just, you know, you, you knew that you did something wrong and you were going to hear from it in private in a little bit. And I try and avoid that look as much as possible. So mm. hanging around people who bring out your best in you is you know, one of the best things that you can do, even if it does, you know, lead to uncomfortable stuff. You don't want to be surrounded by yes men um, because that's what Mike Tyson did. He surrounded himself with yes men and blew through a fortune because people never called him out on his mistakes, which is one of the reasons he blew through the fortune. And got a really gnarly tattoo on his face, by the way. If I was his friend, I would have been like, hey, buddy, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> Get you that tattoo anybody, off your face. Didn't have anybody saying no. So it's this, it's this structure, you know, planning and preparation is one. We dove into that a little bit. Professional accountability. You've hired Bedros. I'm sure you've had a lot of people that have come to you to hit that number two, this professional accountability. I mean, it's why I'm a digital health coach. It's why people come to me because I share openly and honestly about what I'm up to and what I'm doing, how this can help. But when we look at number four, Craig, the incentive, why do we need the big incentive? I mean, what does this treating ourselves to the victory mean? Yeah, the meaningful incentive, it's so important because what I learned was through the weight loss transformation contest that people would say that, yeah, they wanted to lose weight. And losing weight was not a meaningful enough incentive. And then I, you know, I'd hear from people that would say, oh, I'm going to buy myself a new pair of jeans. And that was still not enough. You know, they would still drop out after two weeks, maybe three weeks in our 12-week transformation contest. But men would say, I want to lose weight so that I can be around when my kids graduate college. And when I heard from guys saying that, those were the guys that stayed through through the 12 weeks and made amazing transformations. And when I heard from women that they wanted to lose weight, to have more energy, to keep up with their kids or to look better for their spouse, those were the people that stayed through to the end of the 12 weeks and made amazing changes. And so I learned this the, the hard way in my own life. Well, not the hard way, but in, in, own, in an example, I, I always like to join in my transformation contest with people. And I said in one of them, you know, I'm going to do a mental transformation. I'm going to learn how to play chess. And that lasted for maybe a day and a half until I realized I had no interest in learning how to play chess. But I had a really great interest in learning how to meditate and sticking to meditation because I knew it would help with the anxiety. And so I started on January 28th, 2013, and I haven't missed a day since. And I average about 20 minutes, and I, but on some days I've, I've done as little as five minutes, but I have not missed a single day since then. Hmm. And with this treat to a big victory, I mean, everyone's got a, their own definition of what a victory is. How do you feel like compassion and self-love ties into this number four, the incentive? You know, do some people just move forward so quickly that they never take the time to give themselves a pat on the back? Oh, I do. I do. I'm guilty of that. Um, but one of my mentors, Yannick Silver, has a phrase, you know, you have to take a little bit of time out to celebrate the victories. And I try and do that more often. Fortunately, for, especially for the people in the weight loss transformation contest, we celebrate them and it's almost impossible for them not to celebrate themselves because we just pump them up so much in the forums and um, you know, in the contest, we open the voting up to people all over the world. So they get, they get compliments from all over the place. So that is really helpful to them. So if we force the celebration on them one way or another, and hopefully they join in and most people do. So it's not too much. It's not too often where I have to make sure that somebody gets that uh, extra celebration. And, and then they, 
when they have that celebration, then they're eager to take it to the next level. They, they have that mental transformation along with the physical transformation. They say, if I can do this, you know, what else can I do? And that's really awesome. Last of the five is what you call the most important, and it's the big deadline. I love this, man. A lot of training I've done will always ask each other a question. Oh, when you get that done, by when? So how do you describe this big deadline piece? It's so important. It literally is the biggest part of the equation because when you have it, it has the biggest impact on your results. So the big deadline, as the old phrase goes, that a goal without a deadline is just a dream. And so if you don't have that deadline on there, it won't inspire you to take immediate action and it won't inspire you to pick up speed as the deadline comes closer. And so we see deadlines in our lives all the time. And Christmas is a great example. You know, December 25th, Christmas every year, no surprise. But December 23rd and December 24th are always packed with shoppers because they know they can't show up on December 26th with a gift. It's just not going to be the same. Hmm. And so we use those same things in our personal transformations, whether you're doing a whole 30 transformation, which is popular in the nutrition world, or you're doing a 21 day challenge, or you're doing a 12 week challenge like my programs are. It's not too bad for someone to say, I can stick to this for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, because that's only 0.03% of your life, a 12-week challenge on a 75-year lifespan. So we can all stick to it. And then when we get halfway through it, we go, oh, I'm on the home stretch now. And even no matter how hard it is, we pick up steam and speed and we keep on going. And then the last week, it's like that last mile in the marathon. Somehow we find that second or third or fifth or 20th wind and we just keep on pushing and we get even more results as we get to that deadline. And that's why it's so darn powerful. When I was reading your book, one of the things that hit me the hardest was your chapter on procrastination, beating procrastination. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I do a weekly show. I have clients. I have lots of things going on, as I'm sure that a lot of people listening do. We all have a busy and kind of gridlock schedule, it would seem. But this big deadline piece, one of the things you quoted in your book was a study about 20% of people are procrastinators. And then you, you mentioned, I think it's a lot more. And honestly, so do I, Craig. I, I think myself, I'm a procrastinator. I know this about myself. I'm actually working through this right now, how to become less of a procrastinator. I mean, what do you feel like helps people move the procrastination needle down the most? How do we become better people and stop procrastinating so much? Well, the, fir the first one is the deadline. I mean, still, it's, it's just unbelievable how much we're just wired to wait to the last minute. But the other things that we can do are make the right actions automatic. So one thing that I love people talking about, and I've seen this many, many times, is for someone that has a hard time sticking to a, a little exercise program, you know, go to sleep in your workout, you know, your clean workout clothes so that you wake up the next morning and you're already dressed. You don't have to overcome the hurdle of getting dressed for exercise. And then you just go and it's almost like you don't sleepwalk through it, but you really just robotically move through it. And so if there's some other action in your life that you need to be working on, like if you know you need to work on your taxes or your finances or something like that, the night before, set everything out on the kitchen table so that you get up. Maybe you even put on like some work clothes or like a, suit, a shirt and tie. You know, you just go right to the, to the kitchen table and you're in this like accounting mode and you just sit there and you robotically get through it. And so the, if you can make things easier, and this comes from Chip and Dan's Heath, um, their book, I don't think it was made to stick. It was the other one called, uh, I forget what it was called, but it's from their book where they, they talk about making the path easier for you to go down. And if you remove all the obstacles in the way, then it's easier for you to take action on things. So you have to eliminate the temptations and when you eliminate the temptations you and you just start taking a little bit of action, like when I just start writing the first 100 words of an article, very soon there's a thousand words in that article. But I have to write the first word first. And that's what it's all about is you just have to get started. So eliminate all the things that are going to get in your way. 
And we talked about action already in our interview. But when we look at the to-do list, one of the things you mentioned is also having a not to-do list. Let me run through just a few of these. Do not hit the snooze button. Do not check email. Roll out of bed first thing and click on the iPhone to check email. Don't answer every single phone call that comes in through the day. Do not mindlessly surf the internet. Facebook's a big one. Do not waste time gossiping or arguing, which is really unique. Love that you put that in there. And then do not consume food or drink that makes you tired. How do we identify specifically for our unique life a not-to-do list? It's a really great question. And so what I recommend is everyone starts with a little time journal. And we actually have one uh, that people can download at craigballantine.com forward slash free gift. And you can go there and get this time journal that separates your day into 20-minute sections. And you just write down what you're doing every 20 minutes over the course of the day. And you'll start to identify, oh, this is when I go on Facebook every day and I get lost on Facebook. Or this is, for me personally, this is when I go on ESPN and you know, next thing you know, it's 20 minutes I've gone through all these articles. So I have to avoid those things. So it identifies, first of all, where your distractions come up, but it also identifies where you're more productive. And so what you need to do is figure out ways to eliminate those distractions and write those down. You write, I do not go on ESPN before noon every day. Um, I, maybe I'll, I'll just stick to checking it out while I have lunch. Or I do not go on Facebook until after I'm done work. And so you have those new rules in place. And then you also, once you've found your productive time, you say, I do not do anything but really important work during my productive time. And I actually call that magic time. So there's a time of day when everyone's more productive than at another time of day. It's not the same for everyone. So Josh, you might have a different time of day than me. Mm -hmm. Mine's first thing in the morning. Some people might have it right after lunch. Some people might have it right after nine o'clock when they get to work. Whenever that time is, you want to be very, very protective of it. So you do not do anything else during that time so that you can get three times of work done and therefore get everything done on time and get home in time for dinner. So those are some of the things that we can avoid simply by using an, object, an objective look at our life to see where we need to make changes. Make sure to link that in the show notes for your free gift. It brings up something too for me, Craig, when we look at decision fatigue. This is actually something I'm preparing to do a talk about, and it's in psychology. We only have a certain number of quality, impactful decisions to make each day. And I think they're around 150 to 175 really, you know, hard pressed decisions. But this is why people argue in the evening about where they want to go eat. The, you know, the husband doesn't want to decide. The wife doesn't want to decide. This is why candy and snacks are placed, you know, super close to the cash register to take advantage of this decision fatigue. This is the data and science of how we make bad decisions in the wrong environments late at night. When you look at decision fatigue, working with your clients that pay you a lot of money and that you need to get results for, how do you beat this decision fatigue for people? The best way to do it is to go back to those rules. So if we have rules in place, that just means there's fewer decisions to make. And that way we can keep some of those 150 decisions for at nighttime when that's actually when we're going to need our decision strength the most, our willpower the most. It's not that hard to stay on the right track in the morning. Most people are able to do that. But at night when it's 830 and, you know, one glass of wine has been done and, you know, people say, well, what about one more? That's when you need your decision strength and your willpower to make those right choices, just like when you're going to the cash register and avoiding that candy. So make sure you have the rules in place and start your day strong and you'll save up the power for later on in the day. We have these five pillars in place. We're focusing on executing these promises, really, Craig, that we're using these pillars to keep to ourselves. But when it comes to vision, vision is, I think, the most important thing. You actually talk about vision first in your book, which is really cool. A lot of people wait till the end. How would you describe your vision right now about what you want to leave when you're gone? Well, I you know, look at it as a legacy, building a legacy. I think everybody should look at their life as a legacy, and that will help you make the right decisions for it. And then going back to basically creating a script, a movie script of your life and thinking ahead into you know, the future three years from now, where exactly do you want to be? Where exactly do you want your family to be? Where do you want to be living? What do you want your family to be involved with? What do you want your children to be doing after school and their organizations and their events? And you really write that out. And the more clear and concise and detailed you are, the more you build that perfect vision of your future, the closer you will get to achieving exactly what you want. 
And so in my book, I've written out exactly where I'm going to be in three years from now. And it's very, very personal. And I hope that everyone reads it and enjoys it and says, wow, that's really interesting. And then use that as inspiration to go and create their own sort of vision using the questions in the book that will help you just identify, aha, here's exactly what matters. And this is what we're going to do as a family or as a business to get to exactly where we need to be. Before the show started, I gave you a compliment about, you know, in 150 pages, I think you've taken what some people write in 400 and you've made it easy to digest. One of the things you unpack for people is kind of three stages of how to write out this vision. So definitely get Craig's book. Craig, we're getting to the end of the show, but I want to keep you for a few more minutes because we have two powerful questions and then seven fast ones. You know, the first question that comes up for me in our whole interview is mistakes? You know, how do we make mistakes and then get through them? Have you had a mistake in your life or in your career that's been really pivotal for you? How did you get through that? Oh man, I don't know if we have that much time. <laughs> uh, I could be talking about mistakes all day. Biggest mistake that I made, Josh, was not hiring a coach or a mentor sooner, um, you know, soon enough. Really, I could have hired one in 2003. I waited until 2006 and it really delayed my progress. And so that's what I recommend to people, you know, get some type of professional accountability in your life as soon as possible. And I finally did. And it made a huge difference to me in 2006. It helped me get through the anxiety and it helped me build my business at the same time. And so it was really one of the most important decisions that I made. Looking back in my life, I think one of the mistakes that I chose was, hey, the harder I work and the more I press forward, the more I'll get things done. But then somewhere along the line, I became disconnected from why I was doing that in the first place. I don't know if you can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was working so hard that I, you know, working, the irony is working so hard on helping people improve their health that you hurt your health. And so we actually talked a lot about that yesterday at the seminar here at Paleo FX. And a lot of people go through that in the health world. You know, they end up working 12 hours a day, they're getting home at night, not spending time with their family. And you have to just go, okay, I got to draw the line somewhere and remember what am I doing all of this for? so that you then recalibrate your life and live it better. And so a lot of people make that mistake because they're just such good, giving, hardworking people. But we have to remember to take care of ourselves first so that we can really take care of others. Mm. And the power of this is important for everyone because each person has their own story about what's important for them, why they're doing it. So it's getting really clear on your why. We'll link another great example. I don't know if you've read Simon Sinek's work, Craig. Uh, start with why. Yeah, I've watched his TED Talk. It's oh, so phenomenal, man. Well, let's wrap up. This is the last section of the show. And this is where we get to know you a little bit more, man. You've been really vulnerable and powerful with what you've shared so far. But this is seven for seven. It's seven fast questions for seven top of mind answers. First question for you. If there was just one thing you could change about health, wellness and fitness, the entire industry, what would that be, Craig? And why? Oh, man, it's the addiction to food. And I mean, it, it runs so much deeper than food ingredients. I've been learning that recently. An amazing book is called The uh, The Body Keeps the Score. And it just shows you how much emotional trauma from childhood actually leads to so many of our health problems today. What is one thing you would tell your 18-year-old self if you could go back in time and plant a little note in the pocket of your 18-year-old self? What would that be? Uh, be good earlier in life, you know, stop, stop living like you're 18 when you're 25 and 27 years old. What do you mean by that? I'm curious. Stop going out until four o'clock in the morning. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's good up till maybe 25, but after that, there's just no benefit to it. You mentioned a few books, but if there's just something that comes top of mind for you now, what's a book that's really fueled you in your life? The Art of Living um, by Sharon LaBelle. It's a translation of the Stoic philosophy, uh, Stoic philosopher Epictetus's Big Lessons. And it really is a book that I bought for dozens of people. Um, it's like, you know, just read one page a day and it will really get your mindset properly. We've talked about a lot of strategy today. In your opinion, I mean, what's the number one action step that someone listening can take right now to control their time and own the day? Get up 15 minutes earlier tomorrow. And get up 15 minutes earlier every day for the rest of your life and work on your number one problem or opportunity before anybody else gets up just with a pen and paper at your kitchen table. There's something I want to talk about here too. It's having the phone close to the bed. Put the phone across the room, you guys, and make sure you have multiple alarms. Do not allow yourself to push the alarm and then go back to bed. Craig, do you find that that just creates deleterious habits for the whole day? 
if you oh yeah if, I mean you get behind and then you're reactive and you're trying to catch up to the world and the next thing you know it's five o'clock in the evening and you were busy all day but you didn't make any accomplishments not to mention the radiation from the phone next to your head so keep the phone away from your body when you feel stress Craig uh, encounter roadblocks do you have a specific mantra or message that you tell yourself to push through life's difficulty um it reminds me of you know why I'm doing this you know 10 million mission help 10 million people transform their lives physically mentally emotionally and financially by 2020 but you know physically what I do is three deep breaths four seconds in six seconds out and if you do that that's you know if you do six of those for a minute you'll just really reduce the stress and everything will calm down Coming from your background where you were a hard driver and you used to snap at people, now you've used this emotional intelligence and this personal growth your community and friends. What's the way that you practice self-love and compassion for you right now? Gratitude journaling is a huge one um, and sending out thank you cards to other people just puts a huge smile on my face knowing that I'm going to show up in the mail and uh, you know most people don't get anything good in the mail these days and I know <laughs> that you know they're going to just have a smile on their face. And so I, I just love doing that. Dude, that is such a good point too. Like when's the last time you got a handwritten card from a friend in the mail? Never, never happens. Most people don't get it. That's for sure. They just uh, don't. I get a lot now because I send so many out. Um, I, I've, I've started what I call the thank you card revolution in my uh, turbulence training certification program. So we have an event coming up in a couple of weeks and all these trainers are going to be there that are certified in TT training and they all bring like a stack of thank you cards. And it's funny just to see people handing things out because they've kind of taken my little example and, and gone and done it for other people too. I love that, man. Well, last question, Craig, before we say goodbye, you have given us so much value today, man. But I'm curious with your background, the people that you help, your vision for 10 million lives transformed, what is wellness to you? What's your personal definition of wellness? Oh, that is a good question. So I would say that uh, making sure that you get enough sleep, you give enough love, uh, you get enough love from people, and uh, it's always family first. So family first, health second, and then I say wealth third, but wealth spelt W-E-L-L-T-H, which is a combination of um, you know being able to make sure that you're taking your, care of yourself and your family. I want to end our interview today with a quote from your book, and it's from Epictetus. The sooner you set yourself to your spiritual program, the happier you will be. The longer you wait, the more you'll be vulnerable to mediocrity and feel filled with shame and regret because you know you are capable of better. Craig, thank you for inspiring us with the Perfect Day formula. We'll link everything in the show notes. I just want to take a second to honor and spotlight the work you do, man, from late 1990s, inspiring me as an early fitness professional to now creating a book that'll help transform 10 million lives. Thank you for what you do. Thank you so much, Josh. That's very, very kind of you. Where can people discover more? It's perfectdayformula.com, right? Yep, absolutely. You can watch a little video of me taking you through all of the cool stuff that we put together with the book to help people learn more about themselves and make the right decisions for their future. Craig Ballantyne, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Wow, are you inspired yet? Thanks for sticking around to the end of episode 64. If you wanted to get some of the links from today's show, including links for the resources discussed from Craig, head on over to wellnessforce.com slash perfect day. You can download that as well as a ton of other informational and educational things to stick in your smart pocket. Did you enjoy the show today? Please share it with a friend. I depend not only on your voice, but your energy on what's important to you to help other people reach this message of inspired living through wellness technology. Next week, a powerful one with Franz Snydman. He is a sprinting coach and transformational human being. You guys are going to love the message he talks about. Really, it's sprinting for a better life and not just the physical sprinting. We're going to go into a lot of emotional context around the combination of meaning between sprinting as an adult with a ton of responsibilities and what it's like to lead life with your best foot forward. Now you get to go and have an amazing day by creating it. And with all the tools you learn from Craig and every other guest that's been on the show. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.